Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. New Year to you, Dave. Although this is our first one of the year, this is we did one uh, December thirtieth, or I'm just yeah December thirtieth, and now here it is January thirty first. So I'm still able to say Happy New Year to everyone. And since it's our first podcast, I'll say Happy New Year to everyone. Even though my own personal rule is after January fifteenth, you stop that already. It just gets annoying. Well, you know. I, I feel like if you haven't seen somebody yet, that deadline can extend a little further. So you could say, oh, I haven't seen you. So happy new year all the way to the 31st. I think tomorrow, February 1st, hard cutoff. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeez. What's happened since our last podcast? When was our last podcast? Well, so I said December 30th. So. Oh, okay. And we, you know, we had an awful lot to talk about there towards the end of the year, and we even started to get into some of those, um, you know, some of those predictions made by different authors and different analysts for 2023. So I, I want to spend some time going through those today. Um, I know you had you'd sent me some stuff you wanted to go through. Um, actually, I've got. I've got a pretty good amount of things, pretty good list here of things to go through. All right. So let, let's start, though, by recapping 2022. <laughs> it was a rough year to be an investor. And when I say it was a rough year to be an investor, just to give you a sense, um, you know, we talk about an awful lot about a 60-40 portfolio. And what we mean by that when we say 60-40 stocks, 40% bonds, kind of your basic diversified portfolio. And 2022 was one of the worst years in history. In fact, it was the third worst year in history for a 60-40 portfolio. So a a 60-40 portfolio lost 16.9%, we'll call it 17% uh, last year. And to get any worse, you've got to go back to the Great Depression. Wow. So excluding the Great Depression. Wait, a 60-40 in a single year, I guess January 1 to December, even in the Great Recession, obviously. Even in the Great Recession, uh, where does it fall in here? Great financial crisis was only down 14%. So you go back, you've got the Great Inflation 
That's what, what some people are calling 2022 market crash, the great inflation, which I guess until somebody comes up with anything better, we'll go with that. Um, you've got the 73, 74 bear market, 14.7% loss, uh, great financial crisis, 14%. You know, there's several data points in here from Great Depression, so 13. And then most, the rest of them are less than a 10% loss. So dot com, more 7374, more dot com. So it was certainly a bad year for a broadly diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. And bonds, as bad as stocks were, bonds are the villain. Yeah. This- and that, yeah, I mean, that that's a line that I've been using in our review meetings when we look at how poorly stocks did last year. You know, large cap down 18 to 19% there. Um, you know, I, I say to people, I said, look, it was a bad year in stocks, but we sort of expect bad years in stocks. You know, it's anyone who's a student of the markets, or I shouldn't even say student, just a casual observer of the market should say, yeah, I know I'm going to lose money in stocks every couple of years. And the scale of the losses last year were very similar to other declines for an economy that is slowing down and might or might not go into a recession. What's not at all similar to past years is what bonds did. So bonds were down 13% for the full year. And one of the charts that I use uh, shows that the prior worst year for the aggregate bond market was a loss of 2.9%. So by my math, 13% is four plus times worse than a 2.9% loss. Right. So that's really what made the 60. So this leads to a Jeopardy question. You're not going to get this because this is just something in my brain that popped in. Okay. You know, Jeopardy, you get the answer and then you have to guess the question. Okay. The answer is no, no, God, no, don't say it. No. What's the question? Is this going to happen to bonds again? Close. Is the 60-40 portfolio dead? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I saw one of those articles. Right. No, no. God, no. Stop. (laughs) Uh, Who hosts? Is it Ken Jennings that hosts Jeopardy nowadays? I think he he shares it with a female co-host. I think she was the the woman woman from from Big Bang. Awesome. Right. Well, not from the Big Bang, from Blossom. Was she no, also we, on the Big Bang? Was it, is this the Big Bang about those nerds who are like yeah. scientists? Yeah, you just oh, you just sorry. lost. That. Don't challenge me on TV trivia. It's one thing I have. <laughs> you have all this so much stuff on me, but not that one. <laughs> I watched Blossom. I I've I've watched the Big Bang, but not much. Um. Okay. So yeah, I agree. I I mean, and that's. <laughs> that's the thing when you talk about bonds performing so poorly last year. Now, you know, I will say that that investors who were positioned for rising interest rates and positioned themselves in shorter term bonds, um, which would be most of our clients, you know, did not do nearly as poorly as 13% loss. Um, so, you know, but some of those funds, you know, still lost 5% on the year. So still 
would be worse than the worst year ever. Oh, yeah. As we're trying to be conservative, you know, I, I obviously we don't remember. We've been doing the short term bond thing forever, worried about right. interest rates and figuring that's OK. But in our worst years with you and me, it's been like, what, half percent? Yeah. Damn, something like that. Right. I mean, it's basically been flat for a bad year. So, but what I will say, the silver lining to such a bad year in bonds is, hey, has anybody gone out and looked at CD rates or money market rates recently? You can actually go out and buy yourself a one-year CD paying 4.75%. You know, you can actually go out and get some reasonable yields on on some of these assets that, quite honestly, since the financial crisis back in 07, 08, first part of 09, we just haven't been able to put money in those kind of assets. You know, you've just been getting no yield whatsoever. Yeah, and so, we, have, we have a lot of access, obviously, to products and investments that are tied to interest rates. And they are really attractive right now, a lot of them. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, even just going beyond bonds and, and uh, you know, CDs and things like that, if you expand it out to, you know, fixed indexed annuities, even variable annuities, some of the structured products, all of those interest rates being higher makes all of them more attractive. So, um, you know, that that has really changed uh, the way that you put together a portfolio and, and look at diversification there. So I did actually, Dave, today, because I had so many different things that I wanted to talk about. I did actually put together some show notes for myself. So that's that's big that, <laughs> that we were doing this. Uh, so when we talk about 2023, one of the things that I want to get to is some predictions from various pundits and authors and things like that that are out there. Um, but before we do that, Dave, let's touch on that article that you sent me from the Washington Post. Um, what was the gist uh, of this article here? Remind me. Yeah, it was an opinion piece, and it's titled What the Mass Tech Layoffs Mean for the U.S. Economy. And the gist of it is, as you're having more and more white collar layoffs, like tech layoffs, that is really now starting to affect the economy because these are the people who are now going to cut back on uh, big ticket purchases, things like that. Uh, You know, anything, vacations, think about the things that you would guess that a, a, a high income white collar person would cut back on if they are laid off or, you know, they're not getting the promotion or whatever is going on. And then they say this is going to lead to what this person believes will be a slow session. Yeah. So we have another nickname for something. (laughs) The great inflation, horrific. Slow session, not great, but better. Um, And what I was thinking of when I read this was, you know what? Really, the Fed, the big, like, another villain in this whole thing has been the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Oh, my gosh, they keep raising interest rates or they didn't do it early enough or this or that. Get rid of Powell and a million different things. They're basically the scapegoats 
uh, of everything. But their goal always was to uh, basically uh, trying to remember what the the word was. And oh, soft landing. They have a soft landing. Yep. So in other words, you know, we kind of have recession, but not really. It's a soft landing. It's not bad on employment. It's not ultimately bad on prices. It, and that soft landing, if you were to go by this opinion piece and start to look at some of the evidence with inflation dissipating with these tech layoffs, which quite frankly is might add to that and, and other things, maybe we're heading to the soft landing. They'll sort of thread the needle there, the Fed. That was their goal all along. Yeah, I, I, it seems reasonable to me. I mean, if you know, if somebody asked me directly, are they right? Seems reasonable. You know, I don't, I don't know the data well enough to say yes, they're right. No, they're not right. But yeah, it seems reasonable because that is, you know, all of these tech layoffs have been getting all the headlines. You know, when they talk about, you know, 8,000 people at Salesforce, 10,000 at Microsoft, 12,000 at Google, 18,000 at Amazon, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're getting a lot of the headlines, but a lot of those people are, like you said, those higher paid people who are going to spend more money on discretionary items. And quite frankly, the unemployment for the lower economic spectrum who does spend more money on necessities, um, unemployment's still been very low. So uh, maybe that is the key to, to threading the needle there, like you said, and, and having that soft landing. I mean, that that's what the Fed is trying to achieve, um, but there's no, there's no guarantee that any one method or one approach would work. Correct. And there's always landmines ahead anyway that we don't even know about. Of course. Yeah. Like the debt ceiling, which we really don't know about. In yeah. fact, what is predicted this far ahead, I wonder if it's actually going to be a problem. It's like yeah. reverse technology. I I don't want to get too worked up over the debt ceiling until we have to get worked up over the debt ceiling. Because Right. We got to save that for a future podcast. There's only so much stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's dive into some of these predictions in here. Um, and, and I thought this was pretty interesting. This is uh, this is from Michael Batnick. Um, and Michael Batnick, he he does one of these podcasts that I listen to. In fact, you know, a little detail behind this. He is part of the Barry Ritholtz empire. Right. You, I don't know if you listen to any of those guys. Um, I, but I have a little bit. I don't really I'm, they're not on my to listen list, but now that the uh, commander season is over and I can get over that obsession, I have more time to broaden my horizons. Um, so, you know, he he did these predictions here. And, and so I'm going to go down on this, this list and you can chime in if you agree or disagree here. Um, so number one, bonds hold their own as a diversifying asset. Agree or disagree there? Agree. Agree. Totally. I don't, <laughs> I, I think that one's an easy one. Well, that was a layup there. He wanted to get started on a, a nice, easy one. Um, how about this next one goes right along with what you said before. Um, tech layoffs continue. So big tech layoffs continue. Uh, soft agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of now, you know, I'll go back and to, to give some context to some of these tech layoffs, 
You know, you talk about Amazon and all of these tech companies that were some of the biggest beneficiaries of the pandemic. You know, as we were all stuck at home, we had to order all this stuff online. We had to find ways to entertain our kids in the house. So we had to order more devices and more, you know, everything. So tech was a huge beneficiary of the pandemic. And I think, I think Amazon basically during from 2020 to now had basically doubled their headcount. So, you know, they went from, I don't even know what the numbers are, but, you know, so they go from, you know, 100,000 to 200,000. So, okay, they cut 20,000 jobs. They're still way ahead of where they would have been. And I think that goes for almost all of these tech companies, way more employees now than right before the pandemic. Yeah. And you've seen a number of layoffs. Yeah. And you've seen a number of these tech companies, you know, Peloton is a great example. You, you're a a Peloton guy, right, Dave? Uh, You know, actually I was in the, I'll do it occasionally when I haven't worked up a sweat. I'm really more of a Peloton classes guy. Yeah. The little classes for your core and stuff like that. And the weights and things to help older people like me not have their joints atrophy. Yeah. More than- yeah, I, I, uh, well, my point on Peloton is <laughs> the Peloton guy, you know, came out and said, I think their stock is down 94% off of the highs. Um, you know, and he basically came out, yeah, well, we made the mistake of thinking that trend from the pandemic would continue, you know, into the future. No kidding. You know, it, we kind of figured at some point, some percentage of people were going to go back to gyms and, and, you know, going outside their house. Right. All right. Um, Now this next prediction off of Michael's list here, I think this one is really funny um, just because here's the prediction. Jeff Bezos returns to Amazon. Now he made this prediction on the heels of the Disney guy whose name I'm blanking on right now, Michael Bob. Eisner. Or no, no, no. Bob Iger. Bob Iger, yes, not Eisner. That's years ago. Bob Iger came back to Disney and basically said, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff that didn't go right. He's been gone for less than two years, I think, if even that long. And, you know, he came back. So Michael makes this prediction here. Jeff Bezos returns to Amazon. Okay, Amazon stocks down. or so in the last year. Um, And I don't know how long Bezos has been gone for, but it's probably something like that. So I thought this was pretty funny because I listened to the podcast that these guys do, you know, Michael Batnick and uh, his partner, you know, they do this podcast. So they went through all of these predictions here. And, And, you know, you know how it is when you listen to podcasts, you know, one of the things I like about that medium is you you feel like you can get to know the people a bit, right. you know, in, in television, all the hits are have to be so tight and they, you know, okay, you've got 10 seconds to talk about this and that in a podcast or radio format, you know, it's much longer form. You can, you feel like you can get to know the people. So, you know, hit, Michael talks about, okay, Jeff Bezos might return. And it's just, it's just kind of a, a funny thing to add to his list there where he said, yeah, you know, he might return. Okay, it's funny. Well, what happened after he did that is it got picked up 
by a number of different outlets. It got picked up by CNBC, by by Market Watch, by Yahoo Finance, by all these people, and it it said, you know, uh, analyst predicts that Bezos returns in 2023, <laughs> and it it makes it into this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's got some insight, and you know, not at all to slight Michael here, but he was just a guy with a microphone just talking, right? And then they go even further. And, and this, there, there is sort of a larger lesson here to my story. Um, you know, they go even further and they went back and they looked at his 2022 predictions. And one of his 22 predictions was the stock market might be down double digits, right? Well, now the headline reads, analyst who predicted market down double digits predicts Bezos will return to Amazon. Yeah, that's how you get people to click on your, I mean, that is the media that we live in today in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, having said that, if you want my opinion on that, I'm going to disagree with that one. Yeah, I, I don't Although think Although so. I might agree, if we bring up the same point in 24, I might agree with it then. Right. Not for 23. But, yeah, I, I would disagree. He's, I think he's having a lot of fun just being a rich guy and, you know, building gigantic boats and, I don't know, doing whatever else you do if you have $100 billion. Go to space, try to buy the, I mean, the commanders. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, all right. The IPO market, uh, that's initial public offering market remains frozen. You know, that's not surprising. You had companies in, in 21 going public like crazy. And, you know, because a lot of them are technology-based, a lot of those technology valuations were through the roof and IPOs basically were non-existent last year. Um, you know, here's one that relates more to what we do. Um, value outperforms growth again this year. Do you think that'll come true or not? Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that because I, I basically feel historically value has some catching up to do. Yeah, I so I believe this will be another year where the catching up occurs because over the super long term, these two things are pretty close to even. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that based on my own statistical thoughts. I totally agree. I, I think, you know, I think that value will continue. Maybe the, the spread won't be quite as wide. Um, I don't know exactly what it was last year, but value just blew growth out of the water. I don't think it'll be quite like that, but like you said, the long-term trend, these things are pretty close and it hasn't been close for the last decade or so. Right. Um, we also have a year that we could feel pretty solid about not easy money out there for these corporations, exactly, which also yeah. would help that prediction. Yep. I agree. I think although inflation seems to be slowing, it's not down to the Fed's target yet. So interest rates will stay little bit on the, the higher side of things. So yeah, I, I think that one is uh, more likely than not. Um, what about this one? Gold hitting a new all-time high. Um, you think you think gold will have a, a rally there? Uh, gee, you know what? You know this. I don't think a lot about gold. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I You know, I don't know what to say about gold. I, I, well, I, I I would say I'm going to go with no. 
Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I I'm predicting gold to go up and then it's probably due to go down a bit, but I'm not someone who worries so much about gold. I don't think it's personally, don't think it's that important. I agree with you. I'm not going to weigh in real strongly on that. Um, you know, housing market doesn't crash. Uh, I agree with that. I, you know, a lot of people are predicting interest rates are so much higher. You know, we've all seen the data about how much more expensive a monthly mortgage payment is at six or seven percent versus the you know two and a half or three percent that a lot of us locked in. Um, but I, I don't think you're going to see a crash in the housing market. You know, probably some regional weakness here and there, some areas that got overheated. Yeah, it could happen. I don't think we're going to have those kinds of rising interest rates for the majority of this year. Um, so I would also think that it would probably the housing market would stabilize. I don't think I don't see any boom, though. I'm just, hmm. I would guess if I had to be a micro prediction, I would say the housing market would go down a little bit this year by just a few percent. Yeah. Um, this is another one that we've seen many times before. Um, and, and I would tend to agree, but I feel like I've been burned before is this idea that international stocks will outperform this year. And, you know, we've seen this prediction. I would say out of the last five or six years, we've seen it, you know, if six years, we've seen it five out of the six. Um, and that the whole idea is that U.S. stocks, depending on the day, are trading at a 16 P.E. ratio. International stocks are trading at 12. Emerging markets are trading at 9 or 10. So it's usually a valuation story where people say, hey, look, maybe the growth prospects aren't nearly as good, but at those prices, international you know, is bound to outperform. I would probably tend to agree, but Man, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't gun shy because for for a while, they, people have been predicting that and it just hasn't happened. I'm going to go in the agree category. Okay. It seems like they're off to a good start. And yeah. why they're also due to come back a little bit in, say, comparison to the U.S. Plus, if we have a little debt ceiling crisis, that would also help that them. Yeah. Make. I mean, I. I think the most convincing argument that I've heard is just China being. Um, Can you hear of, my dog barking? I'm sorry. I, I heard one bark, but it's, it's right. pretty faint. That's Oshi. He's a big on international stocks. so <laughs> He's chiming in. He feels strongly about Chinese it, equities. It's a large part of his portfolio. <laughs> I, but I, what I was saying is that you know, the idea that China maybe sort of has has gotten rid of their COVID zero policy and, you know, is opening up more fully. I've heard that argument to say, OK, that could be bullish for Chinese stocks. Um, you know, what about Bitcoin being up 100 percent, doubling next year? I, you know, what I, about I, what about black or red on the roulette wheel? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's might as well go to, to Vegas or Atlantic City, wherever, and just bet one or the other. Um, you know, that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, we've given opinions on this stuff before. But to me, that was one of the surprising, surprising things about 2022 is the fact that Bitcoin wasn't down more. 
you know, if everything was down and just getting crushed, I think Bitcoin was still down 65%. But man, if if it was a totally risk-off environment, I'm just surprised Bitcoin didn't crash even further. I would I would phrase it another way. If I'm long on Bitcoin, do I feel good right now? And I right. would say, yes, I do. Because after all that, Bitcoin yeah. coming back, it's still on my screen there with all the other different things I can invest in. And if I were to project out 10 years, it's looking pretty good right now. So, so that's your indicator that if you go to CNBC, they still have crypto listed there. Right. If it's they get the, rid of that. It's, all, it's up there with all the other real investments. I'm just kidding, all you people who have money in there. <laughs> um, all right. So that's, you know, that was a prediction, you know, 10 random predictions there. Who knows, right or wrong. I just think it's fun to go through those. Um, one last thing I want to add to this podcast, because I know we're, this is a pretty long one by our standards, um, just to talk about the Secure Act 2.0. You know, what the heck is that? Secure Act 2.0. I don't think most people have paid attention to this or noticed this. And really, I don't think there's a ton of big things here. Um, but the Secure Act was actually passed back in late 2019. Um, of course, beginning of 2020, it went into effect, but totally got lost in all the COVID stuff. Um, but it, it changed a lot of the rules around required minimum distributions and, and things like that. So Secure Act 2.0 comes along, it just makes a few tweaks to some of these things. Um, I think the biggest changes were around RMDs. So one thing that we saw last time, Secure Act 1.0, the original, um, the required minimum distribution age went from 70 and a half to 72. And just when you felt like you were learning that, 72, now this year they've moved it to 73. So if you didn't turn 72 last year, then you're, you know, so if you're going to turn 72 this year or sometime in the future, your RMD moves to, to age 73. And if you're 10 years younger, it actually is going to move out to 75 automatically in 2033. Right. I did the math. I'm looking at 75. <clears throat> ah, you're a 75 guy now. It's good to be 61 right now. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, and I think it makes sense. I mean, people have talked about with everyone living longer and longer, you know, why are you forcing people to take money out of, out of retirement accounts? Um, the counter argument to that would be, of course, <laughs> that, disproportionately the wealthy people have money, large amounts of money in their IRAs. And frankly, as a country, we need more taxable income. So, you know, force those rich people to take it out. But rich people aren't the ones or the poor people aren't the ones making donations and lobbying. So, um, and a couple other things, they increase some contribution limits and, and things like that. One thing that and I don't know how this is going to fully come into effect, but I've already had one question from a client, and it's around unused 529 plan contributions can be converted or, or transferred into a Roth IRA. I'm not saying I understand it fully quite yet, but I think that could be interesting if you've got money in a 529 plan or you even decide to over-contribute to a 529 plan 
to get some money into a Roth IRA. That's some really nerdy planning stuff, um, but it might be fun in the future there. Wow. I have about $224 left over from those. Oh, you do. That is going to help me a lot. (laughs) Prime candidate for that. All right. Thank you all for joining us once again. And we will talk to you real soon.